Hello, I'm Ty. And I'm Kaylee. And this is Not, not 1938. 1938. So could you if it was 1938, but it's not 1938. WPA ain't hiring no more. Apples don't cost a nickel. Not in here. Not out there. You drop this thing. Today, we are talking about Batman, Batman Forever. Forever. Directed not by Tim Burton, but First by time. Joel Schumacher. Starring Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman, Jim Carrey, and Tommy Lee Jones. A budget of $100 million and a box, at a box office of $336.6 million. So it made a little bit more than the last one. Somehow. Somehow. I, yeah, that's a great point because uh, like we previously mentioned, I think we can agree that we liked Batman Returns a lot better than this movie. Yeah, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen and i i gotta preface this by saying there's a good movie underneath all of this warner bros bullcrap there really is because warner bros have made some really bad mistakes first off with superman letting richard donner go and the salkins the way they handled that situation and then going from returns michael keaton leaving which i don't even know why michael keaton left you want to look that up real fast yeah I'll look. and turning batman from an actual real world kind of gritty scenario to a, a borderline toy commercial while also trying to maintain some of that grittiness and darkness all the way to Zack Snyder's Justice League and how they botched that. So the studio has messed up so many times when coming to its biggest names. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why historically before Christopher Nolan and kind of afterward, they've never been able to get the ball rolling. They pushed the ball down a hill and then they stopped it before it even started rolling. You know, Michael Keaton went away from playing Batman was he didn't like the he didn't like where it was headed. Uh, it said he decided to walk away because he didn't like the creative direction the third Batman film was headed. Toy commercial. And the reason right. the, the funny reason why like Val Kilmer left and they got George Clooney is because people came on set and they saw the Batmobile and everything on set. And he was like, anybody can play Batman. And so he left. <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, at that point, at that, that time, you know, that's quite literally the, the case. Like they didn't care who was in the suit. They were going to continue to make Batman movies to try to make money on, you know, kids toys, which, you know, there's a lot of movie franchises out there who have done that over the years. Yeah, Batman puts butts in the seats. And what what's crazy is I had this Batmobile. I had all the toys from this movie going into Batman and Robin. I had a Mr. Freeze. So, I mean, it worked on kids. But and this movie, as well as Batman and Robin, were my guilty pleasures as a kid. Now, as a grown adult, re-watching this movie, it is so... Bad? Bad. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to say it than other than... The very you know normal adjective of bad. Like I'll, I'll contrast Val Kilmer to Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton didn't have a Bruce Wayne, and his Batman was. And Val Kilmer here was written to have some sort of personality and kind of be a Bruce Wayne. Was Val Kilmer's Batman had more charisma as opposed to Michael Keaton? Is Val Kilmer in this movie is written in a way for Bruce Wayne to have some psychological problems yes and 
when those happen, those are the best moments in the movie because it gets into who Bruce Wayne actually is, as opposed to the first Batman who didn't and the second Batman who kind of went there. This third Batman really went above and beyond in trying to establish that Bruce still has what went from nighttime terrors about his parents' death to daytime terrors, and that this movie tried to reconcile the past two movies and basically say that he doesn't know how to split up Bruce Wayne and Batman, which is one reason why I can give Michael Keaton more of a slide in the first Batman. And the way he has, and the flashback sequences of him running through the woods when it's raining reminds me of BVS. And when he's walking during the funeral and he sees the two caskets and the red book, that's also terrifyingly sad. So I think this movie does really well with his psyche. And I feel like that's what Val Kilmer does extremely well. And in the deleted scenes, you see him holding the red book and he's like sweating profusely. And there's a reason that actually harkens back to why he has that red book in the movie or alludes to the red book. Now with, with them actually giving him, you know, psyche type issues, um, how does that make you feel like since they brought in a psychiatrist, basically? I think the psychiatrist would have been better if she had a psychiatric problem of herself, which I mean, I, I feel like she did. She did, but it went more into the sexual and not more of, it's almost like I could I could take it more seriously if the movie made a point to say, listen, she has an extreme sexual fetish with people with psychological problems. I feel like it would have been better off instead of having Chase Meridian go ahead and bringing in Harleen Quinzel. That would have been perfect. Yes, I feel like that would have made it a lot better than just a you know, somebody we've never, you know, in in the realm of movies never really heard of and never have heard of since it was the only time i i've known of Tra chase meridian to show up she's a far better character in the second half than the first half yes and that's why because as soon as batman meets her she goes out of his way to sexualize him and then the second time they meet she makes it more of an effort to sexualize herself mm -hmm. there's a difference between catwoman sexualizing herself to empower herself to kind of show like a dichotomy between her and Batman and then Chase Meridian just being uh throwing herself at him. Yes. Yeah. And that's the that's the main difference. Just some basic <laughs> comments I had. Um bat nipples. You see bat nipples in this. Um I got feed. What? <laughs> what? Continue. That's how in the first two Batman movies, Batman movies, um, you don't see bat nipples. But in this one, the first suit, and then also then in Batman and Robin, there's no need for them to put nipples on the suit. I don't know why it's there. It's just odd, and it's odd to me. Just another general uh, comment was the fact that Meridian's office, she had a, a, a Rorschach ink blot, and he automatically, he's like, why do you have a, a painting of a bat? Yeah. I feel like she should have known right then that he was Batman. Yeah, I mean, she even says bats must be on your mind often. Yeah, so and that's something that we see later on anyway with Enigma's, you know, machine TV box, whatever it's called. 
I forget what it's called. He's like, why would you have bats on the mind? I'm like, a, a, a psychopath figured it out before the psychiatrist figured it out. Also, fair enough, he can read people's mind. He even says, I've seen what's in your mind. But bats, that's the only part that he gets out of Bruce's mind is bats. He's like, why would you have bats on the mind? It's and she says, why would you have bats on the mind? It, yeah, she figures it out by kissing him instead, which is so stupid. When she's as as you know smart as what she claims to be, she should have figured it out before. That was just like them throwing in a dumb blonde moment. She like kisses Batman, and then he she says no, and then he turns around and smiles like a weirdo. Like anytime Batman makes any sort of expressions in any of these suits, he just looks like an idiot. And then when Bruce and her are making out at Wayne Manor, he kisses her and then she figures it out. It's like she couldn't use her PhD to figure out that that he's Batman. Uh, and, you know, going off of that, things that he says, oh, what was it? Uh, he says, and this, this really frustrated me, was he said, I've never been in love before. <laughs> he... <laughs> this is supposed to be a continuation of Michael Keaton's Batman man. Oh my gosh, why do I keep doing that? Of Michael Keaton's Batman, where he was supposedly in love with Vicki Vale, supposedly in love with Selena Kyle, but to Chase Meridian, I've never been in love. All right, all right, let's let, let's break that down a little bit. Batman was in love with Selena Kyle because vindication for Batman to have somebody that was similar. Vale was with Bruce, but her fascination was with Batman. And Batman couldn't, or Bruce Wayne couldn't vindicate Batman from that conversation. So, in a way, he's never really been in love. He I'm couldn't gonna, separate gonna, the two. I'm going to take a quote straight from you that I have heard you say a million times. Okay. It's not that deep. It is that deep. It's not. It is that deep. It's not. It's in my head cannon, therefore it's that deep. It's not. It's not that deep. I don't think it goes that far. Um because it's just I don't know. It's not it's not. It's supposed to be a continuation of Keaton. Okay. Batman and Bruce are the same person, regardless of that he thinks otherwise. They are the same person. He has been in love before he even says Bruce Wayne even says to Vicki Vale in Batman 1989 that he is in love with her. Now they're saying I've never been in love. See, and then I'm gonna bring up Batman Begins where Rachel says, "No, this isn't your real face. Your real face is the one criminals now fear." Bruce Wayne isn't Batman. Like Batman is Batman. They. Bruce Wayne is a facade. Bruce yes. Wayne has never been in love in these movies. Batman has because it's it's kind of a way from him to save Batman from himself. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating to me. It's supposed to be a continuation. It's not a continuation. Okay. Another thing that's frustrating to me is some of Chase Meridian's dialogue. <laughs> just Nicole Kidman. I'm like, I'm like, what? What, and, and, and the one that I, I, I wrote down was Bruce was trying to tell her that he was Batman. And she goes, Bruce, 
What are you trying to tell me? And then she doesn't let Bruce talk and she kisses Bruce. <laughs> Obviously, you don't really want to know. But ugh, just some of it was just like... And, and there was another instance earlier. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, what? That makes no sense. So Chase Meridian is eye candy. Nicole Kidman does a good job at that. <laughs> Val Kilmer, I mean, I mean, so at least back then. Um, Val Kilmer is better when it comes to the psychological aspects of Batman because that was written. What are your thoughts on Two-Face? I'm going to break these up. On Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Um, I thought he was trying to take a lot from Jack Nicholson's Joker, and it was an overkill. I can't think of the actor's name who is Two-Face in... Aaron Eckert. Aaron Eckert. I loved that version of Two-Face. This version you know, much more comic booky. They're trying to make it comic booky. That's fine and dandy. I just wasn't a fan. Um, I know that there was controversy between Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Jim, Carrey. Jim Carrey. And the two, to me, didn't seem to mesh well at all. I feel like it could have been much better performances by either character if there was a different person in each role. So Tommy Lee Jones would have been, I think, a good two-face if there would have been somebody else in the riddle, Riddler position. Uh, Jim Carrey would have been much better as the Riddler if there was somebody else in the two-face role or, you know, if they would have just had only one villain rather than the two. And it, I don't, there was no need for two. Yeah, I mean, with the villains, you could have had somebody who was more serious and then somebody who was comic booky to kind of split it down the middle, per se. But one thing that's uh, frustrating about Two-Face is there's only two times in this movie where he's actually Harvey Dent. And it's where he's about to fall off the holy rusted metal Batman rocks. And he's like, he's like, you know, let us die. That's true justice. And he's like pleading to die. And that's Harvey. And then the other time where they're all there and Two-Face pops up and Batman's like, well, you know, Harvey, there's there's two sides to a coin. You know, you need to flip for it. And he's like, you know what, right? You know what? You're right, Bruce. You've always been right. You've always been such a good friend. And those were the only two times we actually saw Harvey. And the rest of the time, it was just... Frantic screaming and laughing? Yeah, I mean, Two-Face is the legal authority of justice and the chaotic side of justice and the coin is meant to split them right down the e right down the middle so that he doesn't have to decide so it's 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 a consequential fairness that he's meant to portray and in this movie it none of that like i like when he says you know what you're right bruce you've always been such a good friend that that was the best line in the whole movie from tommy lee jones mm -hmm. Like I said, I was I was not a fan of Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face in no syncness with him and Jim Carrey, and I think that has to go back to their in in real life they're them 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 not liking each other. What about the uh, ADR with Two Face, where every time he'd make a noise, he'd be like, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, it was unnecessary. I 
I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I, I know they were trying to get like his left side to be like all acidy and everything, but he, he, he didn't look like a, a burn victim in, in that case. Like what you think somebody who has had acid to their face would look like. First of all, it wouldn't be picture for perfect straight down the middle, all well, the way down his neck. It wouldn't the, be like that. The TV clip in which Maroney throws the acid at him and the acid goes over his whole face. Yeah. Is, the acid goes over his whole it face. Goes, it goes right to left. Yeah. And the, they they try to like put a piece of paper up there to like, you know, show that it's only half his face. So I'm like, well, it, it would burn through the paper, first of all. Um, you know, in, in the Nolan trilogy, it does a much better job as to, you know, why and actually how half of his face gets burned off. Well, yeah, he's a consequence of, uh, he's, a, he's a consequence of Batman and the legal system failing its citizens. Yeah. And in this one... He's a consequence of a mobster throwing. And Batman not having a chance to save him in time. Why is he wearing the bat suit in the courthouse? Though? And why does he like, ran? was he there as Bruce Wayne and like randomly, you know, did like a Tony Stark, like nanobot thing was, and like, ooh, jump over these people. Was he just standing there, sitting there in the audience be like, your honor, I object. Batman, you Look, can't say anything. Your honor, I object to that. Looking back and forth at the plaintiff and the defendant by like having to turn his whole body. Guilty. It'd be like the first Superman movie. Guilty. 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 And now the verdict comes to you, Jorel. How did you feel uh, about Jim Carrey playing the Riddler? I hated it. As a, as a kid, you know, Jim Carrey, this was uh, around the time of the height of his career when he did like Cable Guy and Ace Ventura. The mask. The mask. And I, I enjoy the mask because it is what it is. This movie was pure un, unadulterated garbage when it comes to the Riddler. And and I really appreciate that the Batman is taking an approach to him being a psychopathic murderer whose riddles unveil something about Batman, which hopefully it leads to the Court of Owls. It's looking like it will. But in this movie... The Riddler doesn't reveal anything about Bruce Wayne, you know, and all these all these comic book movie villains or all these comic book villains when it comes to Batman always reveal something about him. You know, when it comes to Bane, at that point, Batman had people who were incredibly smart. He had people that were incredibly strong, but he never had somebody who is as equally credible in strength as they were in intelligence. With the Joker, it was all about psychology and duality and with the riddler it was always him revealing something about batman in particular and, and and in this it was more or less the guy who idolizes the billionaire who he's never met who will give him funding to manipulate brains aka brain control and he thinks somehow he'll get funding for all this stuff i mentioned while we were watching it that i felt like Edward Enigma's obsession with Bruce Wayne was a lot like, I don't remember his last Electro. name, but Max Electro's obsession was with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Which I like that better. Uh, yes, it was mu much better, um, much better, how would you put it? Um, oh my gosh. I'm interpretation? Uh, not interpretation, but the actual act of... No idea. 
it was a better representation of the obsession, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, there's also sympathy there. Yes. You know, he becomes Electro. He's there in Times Square, and he has no idea what the heck's going on with him. And, and Spider-Man's basically like, I can help you. Just come with me. You know, be careful. Don't hurt anybody. And one slip of the finger, he turns into a supervillain. Here, it's he's already a supervillain, and I don't understand how he got the job that he got. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. He's probably just some guy that was hired, you know, by Wayne Tech and eventually over time became somebody antisocial, didn't know how to make friends, and um, thought manipulating them through technology was the best way. Probably. Which um, is garbage. <laughs> I was going to say something else about the Riddler. Um, I'm drawing a blank of it. I I hate every single time Jim Carrey says something, it's got to end with a punchline. Or every time he does something, it ends with a punchline. Like when he drops the guy off, he's like, ooh, not uh, crappy form. Uh, he'll settle for the bronze. Yeah. Big kahuna. You know, going back to what I said about, you know, I feel like Jim Carrey – would have, you know, if, if he would have added something to Bruce Wayne, you know, he would have been fine in this, in this movie. But I feel like they could have done so much more with the Riddler character by himself. Um, I don't really feel like, you know, Edward Enigma going from uh, what he did, basically being a, 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 a a hurt little five-year-old boy when Bruce tells him no to being the Riddler. I don't feel like that was a good progression because um, all he really seemed like to me was a whiny little five-year-old who didn't get his way. Oh, that's not going to work. I need an answer now. Yeah. It's like I said, a, a whiny little child who's not getting his way. So, um, uh, I'm going to ruin Bruce Wayne's life. Yeah. I'm going to kill him. And it really makes you go out of the way to hate these villains, but not in the like, oh, they're so good. I hate them. But more or less like, oh, my God, they're incredibly annoying. I can't stand these guys. Like, there, there's no way. Like, contrast this to Penguin to Catwoman. There's a reason they became who they are. Here, it's just like, well, they became it because the story needed it was convenient to the story. It was convenient to the story. And then their lines of dialogue were so bad and their overperformance was so bad. And you contrast that to Val Kilmer and that makes Val Kilmer so bad. And I did, so I've, I've mentioned a few times, it's a kind of redundant. They didn't need both. However, I think they did need Two-Face doing what he did to the Graysons to bring Robin in. That wasn't, you know, really convenient to the story. Him becoming a villain was convenient to the story, but the act of getting Dick Grayson to be Robin Two-Face really helped fill that, I guess, fill that aspect of the, the plot. I think that Two-Face should have been the only villain in a movie where it talks about the duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman. And you have a psychologist who specializes in that. You have Dick Grayson, who's also symbolic of that. And symbolic of, you know, Bruce, Bruce's uh, pain and suffering also. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And having Two-Face to kind of not only 
be the fold to kill Dick uh, Grayson's family, but also to contrast Batman and Bruce's personality with his in compare in um in comparison to Batman's idea of justice and, and Dick's viewpoint, um, Dick Grayson's viewpoint on um, you know Two Face in this movie is a lot how uh, Bruce, you know Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne felt when he found out who the Joker was. You know, Joker, the Joker being the guy who killed his parents. Yeah, I mean, there's and the the whole line of dialogue where Val Kilmer and this is I think the best scene in the movie where Val Kilmer is basically talking to Dick and he's like, okay, you kill him. And then that's not enough. (laughs) And then you do more and then you do more and then you do more. And then next thing you know, you basically lose yourself. So going into, I guess guess at this point we're kind of at dislikes because of how much we disliked um, the Riddler to go into more dislikes, I suppose. I was not a fan of how cringy Robin was. <laughs> Just I'm like the, the holy rusted metal, Batman. And then, <laughs> what? It, it, it's metal and it's full of holes. Oh, that's actually a great line. No. It's great. No, I hate that. No. Uh, but my biggest dislike out of this entire movie, it happened twice in this movie, intruder alert, intruder alert. And the Batcave turns on? The Batcave turns on. Like, and you it, can have the intruder alert, but don't have the lights turn on and the Batmobile flip around to where your intruders sees what it is. And it's not even alert. It's intruder alert. Really? It's not intruder alert? No, it's alert. That's annoying. Um, I, I really hate the aesthetic to Gotham. I hate the neon lights as composed to like as as a contrast to Gotham's like more gritty gothic nature. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, the, the, there is a scene in the movie where Robin or at that time Dick is fighting those uh, those thugs and the mm-hmm. dude with like the skull face paint. He has like a super deep voice. <laughs> well, the, the, that dude with the skull face paint. There's a gang in the Batman with that same face paint. Mm. It's on the trailer. Because oh. he's like, what are you supposed to be? And then he beats the crap out of him. And he's like, I'm vengeance. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have to dub that part. Yeah, please. I'm vengeance. Um, how did you feel about the pacing of the movie? I don't know if we've talked about that. Or oh, my God. It dragged and dragged and dragged. There was a bunch of stuff I didn't care about. A pointless Batmobile um chase scene where he goes up the side of the building most of the chris o'donnell crap i could care less about like when uh he's doing his laundry in stylistic fashion what was that and then when alfred like leaves the door to the bat cave open and he just goes and go and then he starts jumping everywhere oh my gosh the music do you prefer this batman uh theme or the other one Honestly, I probably I probably like up to this point. I like the Danny Elfman one the best. Uh, this one didn't uh, it didn't it didn't catch my attention. Like I honestly don't even remember what the theme was in this movie. Like that's how um, non. Uh... It's lullaby music. Well, is that why it put me to sleep? It almost put me to sleep. Oh my gosh, that was. 
No, the, the there was there was nothing to me. There was nothing special about the score or the Batman theme, any anything really in this movie. Okay, um, honestly, I only have one like down for this movie. Is that bad that there's only one thing that I liked in this movie? No. So, and I, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it about Batman having. Um, you know, some kind of mental issue going on with the flashbacks and whatnot. But the the flashbacks itself was really the only thing that I liked in this movie. Yeah, dove into his psychology and and a lot of the flashbacks, like I said, reminded me of Batman v Superman. Uh Uh-huh. But overall, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this movie. And, um, Definitely no way did, I ever want to watch this. He did mention Metropolis, though. Very briefly mentioned Metropolis. Um, yeah, he said the circus is probably in Metropolis by now. Well, and we already know that there's going to be a multiverse and all this will come back up probably in Flashpoint, but... Well, yeah, I mean, the multiverse is already established because you have Doom Patrol, you have the CW, and uh, other shows already on different Earths. So, overall, uh, like I said, I would not want to watch this again. Like, more so don't want to watch this ever again. Uh, Compared to Superman? Compared to Superman. Like, if I had to pick between Superman or watching this again, I'd pick Superman. Uh, so with that being said, I'm giving it the very low score of a three, and that's me being nice. A three? Yeah, that's that's me being nice. Is this worse than X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yes. Is this worse than Thor Dark World? Yes. Wonder Woman 84? What? Wonder Woman 84 is going to be a completely different conversation. Um... And who knows, I may feel differently after I watch it again, like I typically have with some of with these movies that we're going over. But I don't know, that, that'll be a discussion for when we are through with the current DC movies. So, I mean, what uh, score would you give this movie then? But right now I'm going to give it a three. Wow, that's pretty low. Um, I'd agree. <laughs> Even though you think it's low? No, no, no. I was being sarcastic. It's definitely a three out of ten. I mean, I mean, listen, you can't you can't establish two Batman movies and have these villains play on Bruce Wayne's psychology and then create a Batman movie where that's completely irrelevant and have it like a Saturday morning cartoon. And then you can't have a love story that's specifically only interested in Batman's sexuality. And then later somehow redeems herself. And then you can't have Robin be a 27-year-old man. Supposed supposed to be 15 and he looks like a grown man. Yeah, you know, it's like um, the Benchwarmers when he slid him like the $10 bill and said, I'm 12. I am 12. I'm 12. So, I mean, outside of Bruce Wayne psychology, there's nothing good about this movie. There, there's a good movie on top of a shallow shell, and Warner Bros. decided to step on it in order to sell toys. And it made more money than the last one, and 
probably got a lot of money off of toys, and so did Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, say hi. Can you say hi? Say wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so 10 out of 10 would not watch again. Uh, honestly, wouldn't even recommend uh, to anybody watching. Um, I don't feel like it's that harsh to say, but uh, at least I didn't give it a negative 3 out of 10, I suppose. Impossible. Po- impossible? On our scale, it's impossible. No, because why not if it's that bad? How do you want to end this? Tune in next time, I suppose. Like, we have been finishing it. Nothing more original? I mean, I can't do That's all, folks, because that's, you know, Looney Tunes or whatever. Actually, it's Warner Bros. Um, so. Tune in next time. So could you if it was 1938, but it's not 1938. WPA ain't hiring no more. Apples don't cost a nickel. Not in here. Not out there. You drop this thing.